This week on Low Earth Orbit, we review the sixth gun. Orbit, episode 33. I'm Justin Voss. I'm Scott Stevenson. I'm Steve Marmon. And on this week's episode, we're reviewing the ongoing comic series, The Sixth Gun. This is a comic created by Colin Bunn and Brian Hurt. And the official genre here on Wikipedia says Weird West, <laughs> which I wasn't aware was a category, but I guess the way to describe it is that it's it uh, combines elements of Western with you know horror and supernatural and occult sort of things. In the back of the book synopsis for the Sixth Gun is that in the time just after the American Civil War, um, there are these six sort of supernatural revolvers, and um, one of them comes into possession, sort of inadvertently, of this um, innocent girl. And there's all these horrible people looking for these guns, and there's this sort of shady hero character who steps in to save her and sort of the ongoing adventures they have, you know, with all the different factions looking for these weapons. And if they all come together, something very horrible happens, which is sort of unclear and one of the driving factors of the plot. So, Steve, uh, what did you think? First of all, how far have you read? I'm through the first two chapters. Okay. Uh, So not terribly far. Um, And, yeah, I, I was pretty dubious when I first... You know, heard the description of this, I have to say. Because, I don't know, the first thing that sprung to mind was Firefly. And everyone I knew just loved Firefly. And I was like, okay, finally, I watched Firefly. And I barely endured the season of Firefly. (laughs) Towards the end, it it got got a lot better. Like, it was, you know, but but the problem I had with the first three quarters of the show was it was just having far too much fun being a hooky western, which I didn't really care about. And not enough time spent spent actually being, like, an interesting, like, sci-fi show that it... Really, like, was, was I looking, what I was looking for? The views of Steve Marpin may not represent the views of <laughs> Yes, most people... I'm just distancing myself <laughs> from the hate mail. Because Firefly may be the most universally loved sci-fi show of all time. Yeah, yeah. please email Steve. If you were recommending this show, I would say you should watch it because you will like it. <laughs> kind of like Cook Trip Delicious, you know. I'm sure everyone else will love it. Or like a movie or whatever. It just wasn't out for me. Okay. Uh, so I was like, eh, this is like exactly like Firefly, but it's going to be, you know, just a comic book form it turns out it's not so much as fireflies it's more like pirates of the caribbean but in the wild west that's actually both spot mm-hmm. on yeah. mm-hmm. which i'm also not a big fan of pirates of the caribbean <laughs> <laughs> that was a great setup by the way <laughs> okay but anyway for all of that i actually am enjoying it so far <laughs> good cool um yeah it's it's it's, it's been fun i've been kind of you know it's been inter- i don't really know where the plot's going it's just pretty wacky and um the characters are interesting uh, the art style i don't mind you know it doesn't have that sort of like you know d- you know disturbing dichotomy that saga had you know saga saga saga, saga. <laughs> nice <laughs> that saga had between the foreground and background that i found so distracting yeah i want to specifically ask you about that because it seems like there was less of that in this yeah, yeah. it's more and but also it also had not quite such of a such a generic Style that Why the Last Man had. Mm. It's more uh, stylist, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I don't. I I like the art style in this one. I think it's probably you know of all the comics I've read so far, this one you know I, I wouldn't hang it on my wall or anything, but I actually didn't mind the art style and the story was interesting, and I'm probably gonna keep reading after 
after the podcast. Sweet. Uh, Scott? Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. pretty cool. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit farther than Steve, so I'm, I'm, I'm nearly finished with Chapter 4. And uh, I, think, I think you'll probably like it more as it goes. I mean, more and more stuff starts happening. I think the reason I like it is it's such an interesting mix of different things. So it's there is, you know, having just played Bioshock Infinite, it pulls in sort of the time period stuff and some of the Pinkerton stuff. Uh, there's like some Lord of the Rings elements that are in there. There's some Red Dead Redemption. And all that stuff together means, you know, there's this really interesting, intricate, unpredictable story. And then mixed in with, strangely enough, you know, the guns sort of end up being like vigors in a way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even without the guns, there's a lot of stuff going on. And there's a lot of different characters and, you know, how they all interlock and everything like that. But then you mix in the gun stuff and it's like this whole mystery element, you know, that it's like, well, what does this one do? And, like, what's this other one that they've talked about? And when do I get to see that thing in action? Yeah. And what happens when this guy grabs this thing? Um, so it's a lot of fun. I, I really like the art style, too. You know, it's really it's colorful and it's. Uh, it's pretty unique, and uh, it's very expressive. You know, so you get a good sense of like what the action is and the topography of a, a scene is based on the kind of the staging. And yeah, no, it's awesome. I'm I'm really excited to keep reading it. And there's a lot of material, obviously, to get through. So uh, yeah, I like it. Cool. Yeah, it, the yeah the thing I forgot to mention in our synopsis is that each of the six guns like grants like some sort of supernatural power to right. the wielder, um, which you know now that we've said it out loud reminds me of this. Um, made-for-TV sci-fi movie that was on a while ago. The Lost Room. The Lost Room, yes. yes. That's what I'm thinking I of. I thought I recommended this to you. Uh, I... I definitely watched it before. I watched it, um, I think, before we even knew each other. But, okay. yeah. But, no, it's, it's really cool and kind of has the same thing. Very you, similar. Do you yeah. know The Lost Room? Is what I'm t- uh, talking about? I'm sure you guys have talked about it before. It seems familiar, but I've not watched it. So, it's basically, I guess in a nutshell, it's the same sort of premise where there's all of these somewhat ordinary looking objects will be like a quarter or a motel room key or whatever but they all have like these crazy sort of supernatural powers and like some of them are really bizarre and some of them are like not useful yeah. right like some of them are just really strange where it's like oh you you know if you have the stick of gum then you can hear dog whistles right yeah, yeah. like oh well that's not very useful right but some of them are really crazy like you can right. bring back the dead or like yeah. there's the key that no matter what door you put it into always takes you back to this sort of motel room mm-hmm. that has somehow been disconnected from time and space yeah um which is the the lost room yes but yeah so it's sort of the same thing where it's you know when i watch that i guess it wasn't really a movie it was a mini series but four part series yeah but you know that was a really fascinating part of that was that there were all these different things and it sort of gave them this mechanism where they could introduce new yep. sort of elements to the plot without having to just totally make stuff up, you know, where it's like, Oh, well there's this new object and it does this thing. And it was cool to sort of figure out like how many of them are there? What do all mm-hmm. they do? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, which ones are dangerous, which ones aren't. Yeah. First, first few like pages of sixth gun. That was it, my mind immediately went to the lost room. Cause the, one of the Pinkertons, mm-hmm. they're listening through the different objects and like, you know, what some of the powers are and how the trouble, the, how much trouble there was trying to acquire them. I was like, yeah, it's exactly like lost room. Yeah, totally. There's also a really great sort of line in the lost room where the protagonist shows up. He doesn't know anything about these objects. He's just, I think he's a cop, right? Mm-hmm. And he shows up and he's got his gun and he's holding up one of the guys who knows about all these objects. He's like, oh, he's got the gun. What does the gun do? <laughs> <laughs> it shoots bullets really fast. <laughs> yeah, you might like it. it it's sort of like a, uh, it's it's the same kind of principle as like a Star Trek Next Generation episode where they take one idea and sort of follow it out, mm-hmm. but it's like four hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the similar level of budget, too. Um, That's probably true. Yeah. So like on Netflix or something? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Is it? Oh, no, I'm saying that would be a good place to watch oh, it. Okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's on Netflix. It, but... it probably would be at some point. It's that, that kind of material. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, the comic. Yeah, yes. I really liked it, too. <laughs> you know, um, you know, being the one who suggested it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I randomly sort of stumbled on it uh, through Twitter. Scott Kurtz, who's the um, creator of the webcomic PVP, um, mentioned something about this really deluxe special edition that collects together, you know, I think everything that's been published so far, basically. And that looked really cool, but also really expensive. And I didn't know if I'd like the comic, <laughs> but I did have an Amazon gift card that was burning a hole in my pocket. So I ordered, you know, the first volume and just devoured it and then immediately ordered the second one. Um, so I've gone through the first two volumes so far and I'm definitely going to be picking up uh, the rest because it's been it's been a really cool ride so far. Um, I definitely like the mix of Western and all the other stuff. Yeah. I'll make my obligatory Dark Tower reference now. Yeah, I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> waiting for that to come. <laughs> Fan favorite. <laughs> you can mark that off on your bingo card now. Uh, but no, it's definitely got shades of that. It's got, you know, just a lot of really cool things sort of all came together. And maybe if you were just describe them to somebody, they'd be like, yeah, I don't know if that mm. sounds great. Yeah. But the actual result is pretty great. And it's it's fun to read. It is not predictable. You know, there was definitely parts where things would just come out of left field or they would, you know, reveal stuff where you're like, oh, wow, that's, you know, not um, trying to trying to convey the feeling without just giving away a major plot points. I don't think you guys have gotten to. Well, yet. so I'll t- but having not gone through yeah. major plot points, I, I think maybe the thing you're 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 getting to is that you come in kind of getting a feeling like there's a certain limit to what the story is about mm-hmm. quite of a the gate that surrounds the possible things that can happen in the world. And, yeah. and as it progresses, it realizes, oh, this is much bigger, much yes. bigger, much bigger. That's totally true. Yeah. and Which is very appealing because yeah. you don't know where it's going to end. And I also feel like even though it hasn't gotten terribly far along, it sort of feels like they've actually thought out the mythology mm-hmm. a certain amount. So they're not just sort of making things up. And like yeah. this all is sort of following some set of rules. Yeah. And they haven't revealed all the rules to the audience yet, but they are thinking about them as they're writing it. I think, yeah, which seems encouraging because sometimes I think with especially with like fantasy and supernatural stuff, there's a there's a tendency to <laughs> sort a of magic dragon show cheat, up. you know, <laughs> it's like this Deus Ex Machina where it's like, oh, and surprise, you know, the White Wizard has infinite power because he's a good guy, and so <laughs> game over, you know. The other thing I really like, uh, you know, aside from all the individual story elements and sort of the the setup and everything like that, there's a, an incredible amount of um, vitality to the. I don't know if vitality is the word, but the. Things keep happening. Like there's there's always something going on. Mm. Contrasted to Why the Last Man, where it's like you know there was sort of a lot of introspective stuff happening or, or implied introspection or you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to make it sound more abstract, but it was like you know they're walking, they're walking, they're walking. Something happens, they're walking, they're walking, and it was kind of like you. It's not that those downtime things were bad, but it was just it was such stark contrast to like hey here's the scene where stuffs happening, and then you got to wait for a while. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's something to be said for that style, but I also really like the fact that, like, barely a frame goes, you know, or a page happens where something significant doesn't happen. So the plot is always advancing, always advancing. Yeah, the six really guns cool. pace is much more brisk. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, how is how is Sponic doing? Do they, like, release sales numbers or like, rankings and stuff? Like, I, I wonder just because, like, Westerns in general... You know, don't do very well anymore, right? Like, question well, movies, you know, like, I mean, just rarely perform well at the box office. Well, like, that genre just hasn't, you know, has just, you know suffered, did, you know? Did, uh, well, no, so, uh, No Country for Old Men, did that not do well? And 310 to Yuma and all those sort of, and, uh, True Grit. I mean, there's, I mean there's, there's a few, like, one a year, you know, one every few years. But, I mean, it used to be, like, dozens and dozens and dozens are, every yeah. single year. That yeah. were, it was this huge genre that has, like, it's you know, barely mm. on, you know, a few good movies to come out on occasion, yeah. but it's not what it used to be. By the way, the thing I was going to say is that th- there's a 
even though it has some of the occult and you know, sorcery and all that kind of stuff mixed in with the the Wild West stuff, or it, it's got some of that more gritty material. Um, I personally like this this flavor of it, which is that it's yes, there's some super dark stuff, but it's mixed in with kind of some more fun elements. You know, it's a little bit lighter versus like The Walking Dead, which is much heavier. Mm. You know, so I, for whatever it's worth, if there's somebody thinking about reading it, it might help to know that it's not that level of you know, <laughs> zombie apocalypse and then everything that comes with it. It's like, yeah. that's just sort of a... Well, I think it's that. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of comic relief. Like, there'll be gun, gun yeah. battles and there'll be witty remarks in the middle of it. You know, right. Very much like, again, I get like, kind of like the Pirates of the Caribbean sort of level yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or mixture of these elements. Yeah. Uh, so I think overall we are recommending awesome. the comic. Awesome. I think we all yeah. had pretty positive reactions, right? I think, I yeah, I think it in... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone would get something out of it. I, I really can't think of it unless maybe super young kids, you know, there's a little too much maybe for them, but... Yeah, although overall, I, th- I kind of feel like it's more PG-13 maybe than, like, Saga. You know, because oh, that yeah, was for sure. Oh, yeah. Or, like, yeah. Watchmen, yeah. you know. I think that the sixth gun is still, but it, but it is, like, literally comic book violence, right? Yeah, Where yeah. it's like, it is, but it's also sort of... It's presented in a way that's more palatable. Like, it's not yeah. super realistic yeah. violence, and there's no, like, over-the-top, like, sex stuff right. like there's in Saga. So Yeah, it's like... I don't know. You may be iffy about having kids reading it, but you should probably be iffy about all comics, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in that yeah. way. So it's not like over the top. But, yeah. yeah, but uh, that's yeah, the thing. I, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, I recommend it as well. All right. Awesome. Well, all recommendations all around. Thanks for listening. As always, you can send us feedback by emailing us at feedback at lowearthorbit.fm. You can follow us on Twitter at lowearthshow. And you can visit our website, lowearthorbit.fm where we meticulously catalog all the things that we talked about in our show notes, where you can go find all these things, like the chemical formula for kryptonite, apparently. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that's all. Thanks for listening. How does a comic maker decide whether they should keep publishing, right? They start this thing, you know, like, is it just sales? Or? Well, I think, I think, I mean, so I'm not an expert on, on the business side, but... Um, I think for the most part, like, except for Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, none of these do super commercially well. I think for the most part, a lot of, and Brian K. Vaughn might be the exception because he's got kind of a, a name for himself. But I think for the most part, you know, people are doing because they really like it. I don't, I don't know if there's any, there's probably some medium, you know, some actual number you have to hit to make it financially viable. Sure. I know it's not really an answer to your question, but um, I think it tends to not be a big driver for what they're going to do next. I think they just sort of do whatever they want to do, which is why there's so much crazy stuff out there. Yeah. I guess one thing I'm like, I wonder, like, you know, with television shows, for example, so many of them come on and they get canceled. Like the comics get canceled. Like well, is there an awesome comic you're really into and then just never finishes. Not, because not it, as much. And I think the reason is that with a comic, you can do it with like two or three people. And with the TV show, you need hundreds of people and all kinds of people to buy in at different levels. Kind of in this, in a way it's very similar to having like a triple A console title and, uh, you know, an indie game for the phone. It's like, you could, potentially do the entire game yourself whether or not it's making money and you just want to do it versus you know some triple a you know um, call of duty or something like that you need buy-in from a lot of people and there is a lot of money on the line and they could cancel that if it's not making much money so i think i think the answer is they don't typically they're not canceled i think for lack of success very often but you know if the they just stop writing it if they're not interested. Sure. Yeah, that's what I would guess too. Is that because like the overhead is a lot lower, and probably a lot of them are like they just want to see the end of their own story. Yeah. You know, even if it's not hugely profitable. Yeah, I bet most of them get canceled more out of boredom than out of like lack yeah, of yeah. success. Yeah, sure. You know, so 
Um, but yeah. no, I would be interested. There's got to be some like inside baseball place where you can like find out, you know, what is the current, you know, bestsellers according to whatever metric they. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, some sort of sense of what it is. Yeah, you think there'd be something. I mean, maybe it is like all, you know, it's all Walking Dead and <laughs> yeah. you know, Superman or something, right? <laughs> but like, it would still be interesting to see like what those numbers are. Well, the, the, I mean, the the urban legend of, or not even urban legend, but sort of the uh, the common wisdom I've heard about the comic book industry is that basically it exists. To sell Batman comics because they are so much wildly more popular and more financial financially profitable than every other comic book. Batman specifically? Batman specifically. Oh wow! Not just like superhero comics, mm, but specifically Batman. Batman. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It just it absolutely levels everything else. And I think Superman and Spider Man is kind of close. Yeah. But it, it, there is no question which one is the most popular because it's just the proliferation of it and the success of the movies and the most it's kind of the most accessible. Superhero, as far as like you know, he he doesn't have any superpowers, you know. So it's right. like the thing that's kind of everybody can get in on because even Superman is kind of goofy in a way with the, you know, he's oh he can shoot uh, you know fire out of his eyes, you know. That's a little bit hard to to swallow. But even people that are like consider themselves more adult and like right. you know not as kid like, they can still kind of get the Batman thing. Oh. Hmm. The, the super, does Superman really have like an established set of powers, or can they just keep inventing I, yeah. new ones? Anytime? No, I've they, never been sure about that. There, there is the the only significant change I think there's been over time is that if you go way way back, uh, he couldn't fly. He could just jump really really far, <laughs> which sounds <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> He's like just on the moon. Technicality, I can't jump that high. <laughs> Would be hilarious. He could jump so far. It's like twenty feet. He can jump. <laughs> So far. <laughs> so that was the only tweak they made because I think they realized this is stupid. You just need to go to actual flying. They just went to actual flying. But everything else, I mean, the, the most consistent set has been he can fly, you know, after they just established that was a good idea. Uh, he can fly. He has heat vision. And he is really strong. I might edit out the word. <laughs> just add the. Yeah. <laughs> and. He's basically invulnerable. Short of maybe a black hole, it's impossible to kill him, other than kryptonite. So, but it's it's those three things: it's it's strength, flying, and the heat vision. Everything else is sort of. I don't think there's anything else really. Oh, and he can run fast. <laughs> so, I, mean, I really shouldn't try to apply logic to superheroes, but kryptonite is just pieces of krypton, right? It, that has always bothered <laughs> me as well. <laughs> so, how did anyone live on krypton? Well, so, so I think I think, and this gets and this gets. Potentially down a rabbit hole. We're not going to be able to get okay. ourselves back out. <laughs> but it seems to be that there is the reason he has powers at all. So the thing is, uh, well, I mean, did you? Well, you said Man of Steel. It's the color of the sun is supposed yeah, to be like yeah. the thing, right? They have like a red sun. We have yeah. a yellow sun. Yeah. So, so like on his planet, he would be normal. But right. because of our particular chemical, whatever, you know, all the variables taken into account, he's super. But. I think that actually makes sense. Yeah, that part well, sort of makes enough. sense. Whether yeah, or not it's the sun or not is iffy. But yeah, the yeah. idea that like you could be put into a, a context where you would seem superhero like to the people who live there, yeah, makes sense. I so I don't strictly know what the explanation is for the the kryptonite situation, but if I had to guess, I would say it has something to do with the fact that the same chemical interaction that makes him fantastical here mm. does something weird to the. The essence of his world, but we could look it up and then put it in the show. Notes. I'm, I'm sure there's an explanation for it. You know, if there wasn't, it's been retconned to death. Yeah, in all yeah. the guest superhero comics. Although, did you see? The, did you see they <laughs> found something? Sure. I forget. Like like three years ago, they found something that they considered was essentially kryptonite. It had the same chemical makeup as just, or um, molecular makeup as the thing that they originally designed kryptonite to be. But who's they? 
scientists? I don't know. Like, in real life. In real life. In real okay. life. Wait, so real life scientists found this thing. Yes. And it seems to resemble kryptonite based on... The description of what... Descriptions the, of kryptonite that yeah. are in the comments. I bet if you search right now, if you search for... <laughs> scientists find kryptonite. kryptonite you will, we will find something absolutely boring. <laughs> <laughs> but we technically wrap back around to this conversation. Well, the, part of this is because, you know, any sort of, like, sci-fi... Just devolves in a techno babble, right? It's like, well, <laughs> the kryptonite has this hexagon crystal structure that gives it its property, and you're like, oh, so table salts. Like, uh, <laughs> right? Is that what we're. No, the table salt are cubes. But, like, you know, that just makes something up where it sounds really cool yeah. when you say it that way, but in reality, it's like, so all the chemicals in my house? Like, you know, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Or it's like, if you this Tumblr where basically they show, like, screenshots of source code in, like, computers and movies. Oh, that's be great, though. Some of that winds up being real. A lot of that actually winds up being real source code. Yeah, a lot, but it's not source code for the thing that makes any no, sense. No, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. It's like the JavaScript that runs on Wikipedia is yeah. supposed to be like the source code to this military mainframe. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> I hope that's not true. I saw the Twitter conversation. Oh, yeah, with- did you see that? The uh, uh, So I, I tweeted out the, the show for Cooks Are Delicious, and I just... Like CC'd the guy that made the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think he even did that. I think he didn't. He he didn't reach out. He I thought he reached out to you because you mentioned just he had a search for no, no, no. I, I had his name. Oh, in the, oh okay. I not did. the official one, but in mine. Oh, okay. The one I did. Ooh, okay. got it. And then he responded, and he really liked the episode. Okay, so this is episode thirty-three. We're talking about the comic series, The Sixth Gun. Um, Ongoing. Right. Started in two thousand eleven. Two thousand ten. Okay. And it's created by Cullen Bunn and Brian Hurt. It's a horror fantasy western. I'm not sure. Like, what was Is this it? Like a game dev tycoon game? That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. It does. It sounds like the kind of thing you would make. Horror fantasy western. How am I supposed to make a game? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. We're gonna get little like western twangs with sound effects in this episode. <laughs> Do we put the Dark Tower, like, every single time in our show notes? Or do we just stop repeating it after a while? You know, the killer thing about it is it's one of those that does not format well in Markdown. So it does. Every yeah, it single time. Because <laughs> it has parentheses in the name. Yeah. I know. Wikipedia is like, man, there's probably no problem with parentheses. Markdown absolutely does not. Have yeah, Markdown totally chokes on that. According to movie and comic, comic book storylines, Kryptonite is supposed to sap Superman's powers whenever he's exposed to its large green crystals. The real mineral is white and harmless. Okay. <laughs> that was exactly right. Yeah, but why? But why have they decided that this thing that they found is? Oh, oh, I don't know. Which is know. neither green <laughs> nor from Krypton. Maybe they needed uh, some some good PR for their uh, <laughs> their dig in Serbia. Guys, this is really really not interesting. <laughs> what are we gonna, come on, brainstorm, brainstorm. No bad ideas right now. Let's see, what we found. Uh, Right. Um, so they can't actually call it kryptonite because under the international nomenclature rules, which sounds like a great cocktail party, <laughs> uh, they can't call it that because it's nothing to do with the actual element krypton because there is an element called krypton. Okay. So they can't call this kryptonite because there's no krypton in it. Man. Missed, but, missed opportunity. But why is it like the Superman kryptonite? They found out what it was made out of, which is sodium, lithium, boron, silicate, hydroxide, and they Googled it. And... <laughs> It turns out that that exact sequence of words was uh, on a prop in the movie Superman Returns, which was supposed to be the rock of kryptonite stolen by Lex Luthor. All right. Played, played by Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Wait, was it really Kevin Spacey? Yeah. The- Superman Returns, yeah, he was uh, Lex Luthor, which 
it's maybe kind of appropriate. You know, in, you know the House, House of Cards. cards. Yeah, <laughs> still playing like ever. And <laughs> Steve would hate the show afterwards, but <laughs> <laughs> just at the end of season two, it's like, <laughs> and Superman appears. It's like tonight. <laughs> Did not see that. Coming. Uh, well, after that wild tangent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just edit. Move to the end. <laughs>